Welcome back to another Yak Podcast. Hope this finds you well. Uh, sorry that we're behind a couple weeks uh, with the change in the website. Uh, we've had to delay a couple releases. Um, this week we are continuing our Things of the Earth series uh, based on the book Things of the Earth by Joe Rigney. Um, this week we cover uh, the importance of establishing a rhythm in the Christian life. Hope you enjoy. It's been a while since our last meeting. So let's review to catch back up to where we're at. First question asked during this series is your first fill in the blank. How do I handle the things of the earth while concerning myself with the things of heaven? It's kind of been the overall question that we've asked throughout the course of this series. We find our foundation in the fact that we are called to love others and God within a triune model. Relationships are built into the DNA of God and likewise are built into the DNA of us. So even us introverts have to decide, am I who the culture says I am or am I the way Christ says I am? That is fulfilled in relationships. We are fulfilled in relationships. We are fulfilled in relationships. I have to remind myself that as an introvert. The following two weeks we discussed that God is in control of it all. So that's your next fill in the blank. God is in control of it all. That he is the author of the story and the author of your story and is moving you towards a relationship with him. At the same time, you are responsible for your own actions. How that exactly works, we don't know as limited human beings. But we should take away from that that God works things together for the good of those whom he loves. And that we are responsible to move forward towards a right relationship with God. Okay? Then we discussed idolatry. And this is your next fill in the blank. And that is what is the proper way to view God as preeminent? P-R-E-E-M-I-N-E-N-T. P-R-E-E-M-I-N-E-N-T. Eminent. Preeminent, P-R-E-E-M-I-N-E-N-T. And that is central to our lives. We understand that we can't always be sitting in our, reading our Bibles in our rooms with a, you know, incense candle singing Kumbaya in between each verse while lifting up prayers to both our living relatives and our dead ones. Um, we're not called to those things. Um, So we have to view God as preeminent, as central to the lives. And then we ask, are the things of the world, sports, clubs, friends, food, etc., a distraction or a way to point us to a loving God? Is there a way to keep God at the center and still enjoy his gifts? That's the question. Is there a way to keep God at the center and still enjoy his gifts? We came to the conclusion that the answer is an overwhelming yes. The gifts are good in the right context, being fulfilled in and moving towards a stronger relationship with a triune God, but can be a distraction when we place those things where are we supposed where we are supposed to place God. So far, this series has sought to set some theological foundations for honoring the giver by enjoying his gifts. Again, I'll say that again. So far, this series has focused on setting theological foundations for honoring the giver. By enjoying his gifts. We have set the theological foundation for concerning yourself with the things of heaven while handling the things of the earth. This week we will begin moving towards some of the more daily applications of these ideas. 
It is an idea I've talked about throughout the course of the year, and that is your next one on the blank, and that is establishing a Godward rhythm. Establishing a Godward rhythm. Runners, musicians, and dancers will find this a little bit easier to understand. Okay? Some sort of rhythm. First, we ask the, have to ask the question, what's this made-up word? What is Godwardness? What is Godwardness? Godwardness is faithfully, faithfully living out for... Godwardness... Peter Piper picked a pick of pickle peppers. Is faithfully living out 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. That's what Godwardness is striving towards. Joe Rigney says this, and this is your next fill in the blank. Godwardness is the movement of the soul towards God. Godwardness is, your, Godwardness is the movement of the soul towards God. Such that our thoughts, affections, and actions ultimately terminate upon him. Then how shall we do that is the next logical question. If we are to interact with Godwardness and develop a Godward rhythm, how do we go about doing that? Let's look to the author. As our last month, as the last talk last month suggested, we are a finite creature living in sequential moments related, uh, moments related to an author who does not have to do things in a sequential order because he is outside of time then how does our God communicate to us if there is this vast gap between who we are and who he is? And this is your next fill in the blank. He communicates by entering time and setting up a model for us to follow. He communicates by entering time and setting up a model for us to follow. I'm going to say two numbers. They are in the Bible. How do you think they relate to what we're talking about? That's the question. I'm going to say these two numbers, and I want you to answer, literally answer, not in your head, but like moving your lips and using your vocal cords. How do they relate to what we're talking about? Here are the two numbers, six and one. Work days and rest days. Say it again. Work days and rest days. Okay. Okay, he gets a golden star. Good. Think of it this way. Creation and completion, work and rest, doing the work of the king and doing the work of the priest. God gives us a direct rhythm in which we can and should model our lives. He stepped into time and immediately gave us this rhythm. So what are some other natural rhythms God has given us? So what are some other natural rhythms God has given us? Heartbeat. So here, let me give you one. I would say seasons are a natural rhythm. Okay? You do certain things in summer that you do not do in winter unless it's Texas. Okay? Fall, spring. You have a rhythm to your life. Things are new in the school year for you in the fall, but they're new in nature in the spring. So that would be a natural rhythm. What are some other natural rhythms? Rhythms God has given you. Day and night. So sleeping. He's literally given you sleep. That's a pre-fall creation. It's so good. I want to be there right now. Okay. Anything else? 
Time? Let me, uh, time in the set of your lives. So your age would be a natural rhythm too. Okay? We've all seen that silly meme that goes around the internet. You come out drinking milk, putting on diapers, crying. Then you grow up, you put on, you know, pants and then uh, work. And then you stop working. Um, you end up back in a diaper. You end up drinking milk at the very end of it all. So it's this life is a rhythm. You will feel a rhythm. Um, you will turn 21 day and you will not think like you did when you were 12. Just listen, you will turn 31 day and you will not think the way you did when you were 22. Um, you will turn 40. You will turn 50. Age is a natural rhythm. Okay. Well, that's not, a, it's kind of like final. It's not much of a rhythm. So, okay. <laughs> Whoop, <boom. laughs> the shortest song ever. Um, other natural rhythms. Huh? So nature around us. Anybody else? Football season. Natural rhythm. Uh, I think health and sickness. Our natural rhythms, because I'm assuming everyone in here occasionally gets sick. Well, but, but is that a rhythm? Because like sometimes I'll go two years for and sometimes I'll... And sometimes God slows you down and knows what you need. I definitely, th- I definitely think sicknesses and health are rhythms because you will feel good some days and you feel like junk other days. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Feasting and fasting should be rhythms. For everything, there is a season and time for every matter under heaven. This is Ecclesiastes 3, speaks directly to this. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, a time to loose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sue, a time to keep uh, silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. A rhythm is built into our worship in our daily life. What are some other ways we can look at the rhythm of Godwardness? And we're going to speak to this. Here And this is some other ways we can look at the rhythm towards Godliness. This is your next. It is not your next phone blank, but it's the next subject. And this is the idea between direct Godwardness and indirect Godwardness. We touched a little bit about, about this on the R&R retreat last spring. So if it sounds familiar, that's where you heard it. So there's direct Godwardness and indirect Godwardness. This is your first fill in the blank. Not the first one, but the next one. Direct Godwardness is doing things in which you have a direct time with the Lord. I know I repeated the definition within the definition. Okay, Direct Godwardness is doing things in which you have a direct time with the Lord. Scripture reading, direct Godwardness. Journaling, direct Godwardness. Prayer, direct Godwardness. Scripture meditation, direct Godwardness. Church worship, direct Godwardness. All these things are direct Godwardness. Communion, direct Godwardness. Hopefully, times 
at Yak, direct godwardness. There are moments of direct godwardness. <clears throat> and then there's indirect godwardness. Notice that it's indirect, but we're still heading towards God. The focus is still God is preeminent. Indirect godwardness would be enjoying the things that God gave you, understanding that he is the one that gave them to you. Spending time with your family and friends, enjoying a good meal, enjoying a good board game, enjoying a good etc., etc., etc. For the sake of the argument, let's just define, and this is your next fill in the blank, indirect godwardness as enjoying the good. It's just enjoying the good. And what makes something good? Remember our talk on heaven in last winter. God is what reflects, good is what reflects God. God is good and God made all things. It is evil that corrupts good. Evil cannot create. Satan is a horrible architect. He can only corrupt. He can only morph. God is the creator of good things. And as long as you are enjoying something as it is intrinsically supposed to be enjoyed, then you are enjoying indirect Godwardness. This is the next fill in the blank. God created creation for us to enjoy, to reflect, and to glorify Him. I know it sounds like it should be second nature, but I think a lot of times we forget the enjoy part. As Christians, we think, well, we just got to be really holy. So we sit down with, I had, I was at San Diego airport and they had Cadoba. It's a uh, uh, Mexican restaurant. Now, to make it even better, it wasn't airport prices. It was real, like, it was real. It was six bucks for three tacos, which is what you get at Cadoba. If you go to any other airport in the country, it would have been 15, you know? So it was good. And I'm like, yes, Cadoba. We have these in Charlotte. And I can do things as Christians. I can sit down with my taco, and I can be like, thank you, Lord, for such a healthy, holy meal. (laughs) Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dump my holy water on the taco and eat it. Okay? Me too. Yeah. Out of the Jordan. Um, but the point, but, and many times we think we're sinning if we enjoy it too much. I know that in tacos is a silly example, but have you thought, am I enjoying this too much to where I'm, I'm not glorifying God? Um, we are to enjoy things, especially if that's what they intended for us to do. So how do we have a good rhythm of this? How much direct Godwardness and indirect Godwardness is necessary to find a rhythm in the Christian life? Again, this is kind of the basis for our question. How do we deal with the things of heaven in light of the things of earth? So again, I'll say it. How much direct Godwardness and indirect Godwardness is necessary to find a rhythm in the Christian life? Let me make this outrageous example of how we balance the two aspects. I know it's outrageous. Okay? You're sitting with your youth group having phenomenal Texas breakfast burritos. Prepared with bacon, eggs, the force, jalapenos, a little bit of love and hard work. You are around a table enjoying a meal. You give thanks to God for your breakfast and for your friends, and then you dive into said burrito. Should you do as Colossians 3.17 literally says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you eat, and while you chew, you are in direct Godwardness and are thanking God for said burrito underneath your breath. <laughs> in a minute, 
Someone begins to tell you about, oh, so uh, I have Kim Bidding here. Kim Bidding begins to tell you about her new knitting project, but you interrupt her, stating that you need to thank God again for another bite of said burrito. You then proceed to quote a psalm on the beauty of burritos and then tell Kim, now please continue your story you were knitting. Every bite is the same. Every story is an exclamation of the goodness of God in that specific situation. And three hours later, after you've quoted most of the book of Psalms and a couple things from Isaiah and Ecclesiastes, you finish one burrito. I know it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Is this how we're supposed to live? Imagine doing this when you're non-believing friends. How do we find a rhythm of direct godwardness and indirect godwardness? This is the assumption, though, in, in life. That if we are not in direct communication with God the Father, that we are somehow out of rhythm. That is, you are not a hermit, that you have to somehow, uh, that is, if you're not a hermit, that you're somehow out of rhythm with God. That to work a bank job is somehow less holy. This, of course, is not the case. This is not the case. God knows we are temporal. What I mean by that, sixth and seventh graders, when I send temporal, I mean that we're in time. We live in successive moments, unlike our most holy God. The way we experience this life is always in a constant state of before and after. We move forward and typically can only experience one thing at a time. God knows this. So when we are around a dinner table with great Chilean friends before us, we should thank God for his provision of said Chilean friends and then receive it gladly. We ought to be fully engaged with the others, offering them encouragement, coming alongside them as they share a difficulty, and just being with them in life. Joe Rigney says this, in one sense, to be truly Godward is to be manward in that moment. You do not do God a disservice by not holding a prayer gathering during every meal and time together with a Christian friend. You don't do God a disservice. You do the church a service by being there for one another. Joe Rigney continues, People who orient their lives through direct Godwardness over the scriptures and in prayer are free to gratefully receive God's goodness in what he has made and given. So if you're getting to spend your time in direct Godwardness, then those moments where you get to enjoy Indirect Godwardness, you get to do it just as that and enjoy it, and it doesn't become idolatry. It's putting things in its proper place. It's making Christ preeminent while at the same time enjoying the gifts he's given you, realizing that they are indeed gifts, and they have been given to you by a giver. Notice how he made it clear that direct Godwardness was the key to enjoying fully indirect Indirect Godwardness. That's the key. If you don't have direct Godwardness, you're not going to be able to enjoy indirect Godwardness. It's going to become an idol. The Puritan Richard Baxter expresses the need for such rhythms of direct and indirect Godwardness. He says this, The intending of God's glory of our spiritual good cannot be distinctly and sensibly reacted in every particular pleasure we take, or bite we eat, or thing we use. But a sincere habitual intention well laid at first in the heart will serve to right use of the particular means. What he's saying is that we get to enjoy all the good things God has given you when you're playing music. Whether it's a Christian song or a 
non-Christian side. Okay, I know whether you're um, whether you're playing superheroes with a little brother, or having a tea party with a little sister, or you're playing a sport you enjoy, or you're going through your katas. Uh, whether it's any of those things, you get to enjoy them for what they are if you've had that time where you get to refocus what's important and what isn't. Instead of that thing becoming the idol. Times of indirect godwardness. Direct godwardness is necessary for indirect godwardness. But then you can enjoy indirect Godwardness and enjoy it to its fullest because you know who gave it to you. I think a great example of this is fasting. This is going to be weird to first world problems. The Bible assumes we will fast regularly. Matthew 6. The Bible assumes we will fast regularly. But it does not command us to perpetually fast. Do you notice that? It assumes we'll fast regularly, but it doesn't say, I expect you to go hungry all the time. That means the Bible assumes we will break our fast. But during our fast, we forego, we forego food, which is good, and our focus on our direct godwardness. Spend time in prayer and worship. In other words, we give up the means of indirect godwardness food, so we might take advantage of the extra time in direct godwardness. John Piper in Hunger for God says, Fasting provides a particularly potent way of focusing our full attention on the triune God, whose love is better than food. When we recognize the rhythm of feasting and fasting, it keeps us from making one greater than the other, as if one is inherently more holy. That's a weird thought. One isn't inherently more holy. I mean, most of us assume, well, if you're fasting... You're a holy, holy man. Sometimes sitting around the Christmas table, enjoying a huge turkey or whatever your mom makes, okay, with family, that is just as a holy activity if you understand it for what it is. We should be enjoying that and thanking the giver for such blessings. It, It can be and should be just as holy as fasting. There's a time for fast and a time for feast. There's a time for feast and a time to fast. Joe Rigney says, It is precisely in the Godward rhythm of the two that we experience and express the fullness of God's grace in our lives. There are several stories in Scripture that speak to this direct point. Mary is at the feet of Christ and Martha is running around dealing with all the things that need to get done. When Martha is doing, what Martha is doing is good, but it is not balanced. Mary understands the need to be to balance between direct godwardness and to fully enjoy indirect godwardness. Do you take the time to spend the Christ? Do you take the time with the direct to take a proper view of the indirect? Are you a Mary or a Martha? Think of Daniel. He was so consistent with his direct godwardness that his enemies knew they could trap him into praying. He had such a rhythm, such a balance, that his direct godwardness before his heavenly king affected his daily work His indirect godwardness before his earthly king. God blessed his indirect godwardness because he kept such a profound rhythm in his uh, direct godliness. There's a story of, it's a pastor, I forget who it is. But um, 
he used to pray up in his attic. It was a wooden attic. It was the corner he prayed in. And by the end of his life, he had prayed so constantly there that in the wood, in the floor, you could see the knee marks where he had set his feet. Oh, if we could have such rhythm to where we could leave knee marks in wood over the ages. You also have the negative example with David. When his indirect godwardness was out of sync, it affected not just his life, but the life of those around him. He was supposed to be at battle, a time for war. Instead, he was not leading his army. And it impacted his direct godwardness. He fell into sin with Bathsheba. It's a crazy cycle. When one is out of sync, it can spiral out of control. Balancing our direct godwardness and our indirect godwardness is critical to our sanctification. And that's today's lesson. Thanks for listening to another Yak podcast. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. Hope you join us again next week. Thanks for listening.